I have a t-shirt that on the back of it, it has a, a target, and it's full of bullet holes, and it has above it, it says, group therapy. Now, do y'all know what that means? So, I, I knew that when I shared that, some of you might not understand that. So ask Dale and different ones. Some of them know what group therapy is. And then, I believe it was one of the first times that I'd heard anybody use the term bullets. Um, I'd like this in the form of bullets. And I'm thinking 9 millimeter, 40 S&W, 10 millimeter, 357 Magnum, 38 Special. Um, and, I, and I admit, I've been running a little bit behind on this stuff, but bullets. So I thought, well, as I prayed about it, my wife and I talked about the message uh, several weeks ago as we were looking forward to this day. Um, I think I'm going to give you a message that's just full of bullets. <laughs> Well, it depends. Uh, never mind. <laughs> you know, it's good and bad that this is being recorded like this. <laughs> but uh, so I'll be careful. Um, but I think what I, I, I believe the Lord's led me to do, you know, each one of these bullets would be, it could be a, for sure a sermon. And it probably could be, opened up into a, a series. So each bullet, so you understand, I'm just going to touch on each one and give, not even exhaust all the scripture references to it, but um, you'll see as we go along how you could just take that one bullet and expand on it and, and go and, and teach for hours on it. So I'd like to start out in Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. And this is kind of the essence of the whole idea. It's not explaining this verse necessarily as much, but it's the, the concept, the idea of making wise use of our time. <clears throat> when the scripture says in verse 15 of chapter 5, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That's a pretty powerful thought when you think about that. Don't walk as a fool, but walk as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. And you can look it up and uh, it's like buying back time, taking advantage of the time that God... Time is a gift and we all have a certain amount of time, but... And we're not, and that's not the whole point of the message. That it's we've got time, and we should use it wisely and for God's glory. And so let's be careful about that. So the first bullet that I'd like to start off with is um, salvation, because really and truly, I can go over all these others, and if you're not saved, and if you're not truly born again, then I promise you, none of the rest of this is going to make much sense, and you're certainly not going to be able to accomplish any of it. 
without the power of God or the Spirit of God residing inside of you. You're just, it's going to be, you've got to have salvation first to even go from bullet one to bullet two. So in chapter three of John, I want to just make a point, and again, we're not exegeting the passages. I've done this in the past with Nicodemus, but John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to ever see heaven, and you're never going to be able to accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish unless you're born again. It's just extremely clear, and there's no question about it. By the way, I'll just say this. Uh, <clears throat> I started rehab on last Thursday. So that means for the next four and a half months, I'm going to be doing exercises two times a week uh, at the facility in uh, College Station. And then I'll be doing those exercises at home um, every day, at least one time every day at home. And, and so it's a process. You've heard the saying, no pain, no gain. <clears throat> so, and I will say there's been some pain. I mean, it is painful to try to move something that ha that's been uh, tinkered with like your sh my shoulder has. So, but the point is, I was thinking and just meditating, I've got to work hard every day to get back my mobility. And I'm just so glad that salvation's not that way. I don't have to work hard to get it. It comes in an instant. It comes, it's a quickening. It's a quickening by God's Spirit. When we come to that place where we recognize that, uh, that we're lost and we're without a Savior, and you, and you realize that the only way to heaven is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And, and that's the only way I'm ever going to get to heaven. I can't join enough churches. I can't be baptized enough times. I can't volunteer at the Red Cross enough. I can't work hard enough to get it because you don't work for it. It's a gift. It's a gift for every one of us, everyone that will believe. So we just trust that, that as you're hearing this and, and you're examining, listen, I've seen people that have been faithful members walk the aisle and give their heart and life to Jesus Christ for the first time. I've seen people that everyone was shocked when they said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really saved. And I've heard of other pastors and other churches where, you know, faithful, faithful members of the church were faithfully attending and then recognized their loss and they need to get saved. So let's just don't think that all of us are saved just because we're here. We need to be saved because God said we're saved and we know that we've trusted in the Lord Jesus. But then verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily I, verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
Marvel not that I said unto thee. And this is what I wanted to just emphasize right here. Ye must be born again. That's the point I'm making. Ye must be born again. To think that God, you know, we have a judicial system that tolerates and uh, turns uh, uh, a blind eye to certain things and, and forgiveness of things that shouldn't be forgiven. God's not that way. You're not going to be able to stand before God and, and say, oh, you know, you tried your best. I know you, you really meant well, but just come on in. the. It's not going to be that way. You've got to be born again. You've got to put your full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. There's no other way. And so there are a lot of religions out there that are trying to encourage people to just do good works and be good. And then it's like the scales. You know, the goods outweigh the bad. That's not the case. You've got to be born again. We're all lost sinners, lost and on our way to hell, hellfire and brimstone. And so we must, the scripture says we must be born again. So that's the first bullet. I want you to think about it. And everyone within the sound of my voice and everyone that's here today, it's our prayer. It's our genuine concern. We are concerned about anyone that would go through life and hear these words from Jesus, depart from me because I never knew you. I mean, that would be sad. That would be so sad. And, and there are a lot of people that are very um, active in religious activity, but they can still be active in religious activity and not be born again. And so it's important to consider that as the first thing that we want to think about today. And just, I just pray that, that if a person here, and if you need to be saved, as we've heard so many times here recently, just be sure to seek someone out and, and ask and find out, you know, from the Word of God how to be saved. There are plenty of people here that would be willing to spend time showing you in the Bible and praying with you and encouraging you in salvation. So that's the first bullet. The second bullet <clears throat> is this. I would, for, and we're looking into the new year. We're looking, this is the last day of the year, looking into the new year. What are some things that we ought to consider? Uh, and, and the second bullet is have a heart like Paul. Have a heart like the Apostle Paul. Because he said in chapter 3 of Philippians, and we've, I've referred to this a lot because I love this a lot. I love these, pa these passages. What things, verse 7, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ." and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is, the, is of God by faith. And verse 10, and this is what I'm referring to about his heart. He really, really, really was a very religious person. He was, he, he, he was the head of his class, if you will. 
But this is the bottom line. This is where his heart is being shown. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. As we go into a new year, the challenge for all of us, preachers, all of us, none of us are exempt, that we ought to enter this new year. All of us should enter this new year with a heart to know our Savior better. I think we could spend our whole lifetime, we could spend the rest of our days trying to get to know Him, and there's still so much more to know. He, he makes Himself available through His Word, but you and I have an opportunity to start fresh, to put some things behind us in the past, move forward, looking forward, and uh, it, just like in the book of James, that he upbraids us not. He's not going to say to you, well, you know, you've really had an opportunity to know me better, but this last year was kind of a, a dud. I mean, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, you want to know me? Let's spend some time together. And, and he's available. As Rod Poole used to, I remember him praying. We've prayed with him, and we've heard him pray publicly. He would pray, Lord, we never, when we try to contact you, we never get a busy signal. And that's a fact. God's always available. And how can that happen with the millions and millions of people that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ around the world and they can be speaking to him at the same time? That's pretty incredible. But that's our God. That's our Heavenly Father. But he wants us to know him better. You think you, you, think you may know him now, but, but spend some more time. Get to know him. And get to know the ways of God, how God's operating. His ways are opposite from our ways. The, the things that he allows to come into people's lives, I would never, as a human, I would never let some of this stuff come their way because I don't see the benefit in it. But you see, God does see the benefit. And, and God wants you to know him. I never will forget Mrs. Jones had such a, a confidence in the Lord. She had so many trials. She had so many trials. One of her favorite verses, and this comes from knowing the Father, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. But she referred to this verse often, Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. His mind is stayed on thee, perfect peace. And so we, people are trying to find peace. They're looking for ways to have peace. They're contacting all their friends on Facebook, I assume, trying to find out how to have peace. But the scripture makes it very clear. If your mind stayed on him, he will give you perfect peace. It's not complicated. It's just the fact, will we do what the Word of God says? Are we looking for something outside of the Word of God? And the answers are all there. And so, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Quality time. I think all of us could say, all of us could say, I think without exception, that we could spend a little more time with our Father. I mean, you know, the little tip of the hat and, you know, uh, uh, late in the evening and 
Uh, it's just important to be aware that you're praying to him, talking to him, aware of all these different things that are going on in your life. Because the Lord, and, and we, we have to just cling to these promises. And I think, I believe with all of my heart, when, when you know him better, then I think some of these promises, you can have more confidence in them. When you, when you are really walking with the Lord and you really understand what he's trying to do or accomplish in your life, or at least you're striving to understand, then, then you can understand better and, and maybe not even be able to explain it to people. You know, don't, don't think you've got to explain, give all the answers. Uh, our walk is so much by faith. And we know that in verse 28 of chapter uh, 8 in the book of Romans, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I've had a few challenges in 2023, but so have many of you. And so do we honestly believe with all of our heart? I mean, do you have that confidence in the Lord that you, you know him so well that even though it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, humanly speaking, you cannot imagine why a loving, and this is one of the things people throw at you. Why would a loving God let something like this happen in your life? A loving God. You see, that's where total faith and trust in my Father comes in. He has said, and I hold on to it. I cling to it. I trust him for it. I don't have, I don't have all the answers. But when he says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, I believe that even though I don't even come close to understanding it many times. People can say hurtful things. Did God allow that or did he not? I mean, don't you believe that God is so sovereign that he could stop something coming into our lives if he wanted to? He's powerful. Things just don't get by him. So he allowed some of those things, that, that hurtful statement or whatever. And so, and that even helps in a marriage. You know, in our marriage relationship, that to understand we're all, you know, just dirty, rotten sinners. And when you wake up, you know, and you think, boy, I've, I've, this knight in shining armor came riding in on a white horse. And it, I looked up and he's a human too. You know, he's a, he's a real person or she's a real person. But you begin to understand that the, even the failures of our spouses... Now, I want you to get this. Even our failures of our spouses, when we don't, and we all should be trying for perfection, okay? Shooting for perfection, knowing we'll never make it. But our failures, God is working all things together for good, even in our failures in a marriage. And I think my wife would say to every one of you, She's had plenty of opportunities to trust the Lord because none of us are perfect. And I just want to tell you, if you can get, if, if you don't get anything else today and you could leave here and say, you know, I've heard that a hundred times this year and our pastor just keeps hammering this. 
Why does he keep hammering? Because we need to get it. We need to get it. We need to leave here today completely convinced that all things work together for good and don't expect to be able to explain them on a human level to anybody. You just, that's where your faith and confidence in the Father. That's knowing Him. That's knowing Him. That's understanding Him, beginning to trust Him more. It's important that we trust Him. So, bullet number three, the new year. Bullet number three, the new year. New opportunities to trust Him. New challenges to trust His Word and His promises. Psalm 37.3, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. 37.5 of Psalms, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 118.8, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And it just goes on and on and on, and the idea of trusting. But you know what? The opposite of trusting him is, is a lack of faith. And I did look up a couple of things um, <clears throat> in um, the book of Matthew, for one. Uh, Jesus, in the Gospels, in Matthew and in Luke, but four times in, in Matthew and one time in Luke, uh, he said, O ye of little faith, O ye of little faith. Um, you recall chapter 8 of the book of Matthew, Verse 23, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now, I've told you stories about being out in Lake Conroe and out in Trinity Bay, and I've had, I know what it's like to be in a small boat and have the waves cover the boat. I mean, we've been there and we've experienced that. So I can understand the fear if you're out in a big body of water and the, and the storm is, is raging and you're out there. And so, but the disciples were with him, but he was asleep, the scripture says. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. And I could imagine I'd be crying out, save us too, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? So as we go into the new year, I want to challenge all of us, and this is for me, this is for Pastor Will, this is for all of us, as we enter into this new year, it is, I don't want to hear the Lord say to me, O ye of little faith, O ye of little faith. When Peter was walking on the water, same thing. O ye of little faith. It's important that the church have faith because Jesus didn't do many miracles because of their unbelief. 
And it's important to, I, I really think there's a real clear uh, correlation between a church's large faith, big faith, huge faith, versus, oh, ye of little faith. And, and I'm just of the opinion, this is just my opinion from looking at Scripture, why would God bless a people in miraculous ways if half the congregation sitting back saying, I don't believe anything's ever going to happen here? I just think that's, I don't think that's the way God wants us to operate. We don't, we're not controlled by our circumstances. We're not controlled by, uh, you know, certain things that we see on paper. We need to be trusting the Lord and depending on Him. And He has always in the past kept His word, and He will always in the future keep His word. So the challenge for the new year for all of us and for our church is that we would have great faith to trust Him more for every single day, every week that we come together. And, and we should be trusting Him for the future of our church. I just read, my, my wife was reading something to me that Julie and Clint gave us for Christmas. It's a book, it's about uh, Dr. Henry Blackaby, but uh, his son has put this together. And it was so powerful. I want to read some of it sometime in the future, just a few little excerpts uh, from it. But talking about how many churches in America a year are closing their doors. I think, didn't, wasn't it 4,000 a, 4, a year closing their doors? Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, I believe this, and I'm not just saying this. I'm not just, you know, trying to cheer everybody up. I believe with all of my heart, our church has a bright future. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't doubt that, but I want, I hope and pray that we'll all come alongside and join in in that great faith. And it's not just speculation. It's not just, you know, cross your fingers and hope everything goes well. We are trusting in our Father who is going to continue to do what he promised he was going to do. And as we heard one of the first sermons Pastor Will preach, you know, Northville's been through some hard times this year. We've suffered a few battle scars. But I'm going to tell you, the future is bright, and we need to, and it's not dependent on us. It's all totally dependent on him. It's knowing him, trusting him, his word. And so... I hope you'll join in with me as we get excited about 2024 and we look forward by faith of facing the future. Uh, there's so much about the future. I'm telling you, some of you will understand this and some of you may not understand this, but when you start talking about world wars, guess who that begins to affect? Some of our young men and possibly if some other kind of thinkers would have their way, some of the young women too, by being drafted and being involved in war and maybe not coming home from war. So you could let your mind just really run away with all the negative thoughts that are out there, the possibilities. But look, if we're going to keep take captive every thought, then we need to trust the Lord for every moment. And I'm, you know, we'll just have to trust him with our grandkids. We'll just trust him with the young men in our church. 
We'll just have to trust him and believe that all things are working together for good. So the world front doesn't look great, and our national front doesn't look great, but who's keeping track? I mean, it's not about what circumstances we see. It's all about the Word of God and the author of the Word of God. It's all about knowing Him. So I challenge you, I challenge you to let's trust Him, let's totally depend on Him, and let's believe His Word for everything that it says in this new year. That's the third bullet. The fourth bullet is on relationships. Relationships. I believe with all of my heart that God puts a premium on unity. I believe he puts a premium on unity in the family. And I believe he puts a premium on unity in the church. Um, It is important that we understand what God, and, and again, we're not going to exegete and not, you know, take a whole hour or more, but in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, endeavoring to keep, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, endeavoring to keep, striving hard, doing our part, making sure that we follow Scripture in our lives to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I believe that you could make a strong, a very strong case for God puts a high premium on unity and oneness in the body of Christ. In fact, someone was saying something to me the other day, and I thought this was very wise. You know, there are times that you could say something in a group or like a family setting. You could say, and you might even be right. But do you have to say it? Do you have to say something that you just can't control, something that you just feel like you've got to blurt out and tell somebody else how you feel? And they may be totally wrong, but what is that going to do to the relationship down the road? We have found, and you can mark this one down, we have found that unsolicited advice is seldom received. Unsolicited advice is seldom well received. We wait for someone to ask before we barge in and dump a load of stuff on them. And it's so important because, look, I believe, I really believe this all my heart, I believe relationship and unity and oneness and sweetness in a family is more important than getting my way. That's with husband and wife, parent and child. It's more important to have loving relationships than to get my way. So God puts a premium on relationships and and loving one another. Uh, there's so many, so many scriptures. Let me. Just, I'm, I am just, uh, and and I realize, you know, you don't have to run up and say, you realize you use that 20 times in 2024. You don't have to tell me because I know. But I have, this is one, I believe this is the grandest witnessing tool that we'll ever use. 
This is God's plan for witnessing. And read it and think about it in John 13 with me. 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. That you love one another. Okay, we say we love one another. We love one another. That you love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. If God struck us down, every time we got out of line, there would be no one present today. Because all of us have failed. And all of us do not measure up. And we had better learn the heart of God so we can begin to love each other the way He loves us. I mean, I, do, do you ever just look in the mirror and say, God, I don't know how you can continue to love me. I'm so unlovable. And you know my thoughts, you know my heart. You know my failures. And you still love me unconditionally. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't take me to the woodshed from time to time. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. It's so essential. It's imperative. It's a requirement. Going to be a Christian walking in the Spirit? We're going to love one another. You're going to put up with a few things with each other. And then verse 35, by this, and this is what I'm talking about, about the greatest witnessing tool out there. You don't have to go to more clinics and more, you know, uh, training. By this, by what? By the way we love each other. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. I believe that one of the greatest attractions to bring people into church is not a program, but a relationship with God the Father, our relationship with Him and knowing Him, getting to know Him better, and relationship with each other, loving each other, even unconditionally, and putting up with a bunch of stuff that we really know. If you could just see it from God's point of view, I know you'd see that you're wrong. Right? I know, you, I, I know you'd see you're wrong. But you see, we don't have to tell people that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so I believe that all men will know that we're his disciples if we have love one for another. That is going to be the honey that's going to draw more people than anything else. Now, in the idea of relationships, let me refer to another. This is a sin uh, it's found in Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to turn there, Hebrews chapter 12. Looking diligently, verse 15, by the way, looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root, look at these key words, root of bitterness springing up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I've done it in the past. I brought a tuber in here before, and the tuber looks like a sweet potato, and it's got long roots, and it's slow growing. 
And to get that tuber out of your yard or out of your pasture, you need to dig down and get the, the, get the tuber, but get the roots also. It's a root of bitterness, a root of bitterness. I had this written, and I, and I honestly don't remember who, who said it, so I would give credit if I could remember, but I honestly can't. I just saw it in one of the bulletins that was in my Bible. But I had this written down, um, so if you're the one that said it, you know, see me later, and we'll work out a way to give you credit. But <clears throat> bitterness, listen to this. I thought, well, man, this is just handwritten on my bulletin. This is powerful. Bitterness is a wound we have not allowed God to heal. Did y'all get that? Bitterness is a wound we have not allowed God to heal. That root of bitterness. Do you know what bitterness will do? It will destroy relationships. It will destroy it, bitterness. And I'm going to tell you, bitterness will destroy churches. When the membership of a congregation have the sin of bitterness going on in their hearts and lives. And you know what? It's, it's not one of these things. It's just like a big flash. You know, you, you, it's so slow growing and so gradual. And a lot of times it really does start with offenses. Someone said something. Someone hurt you. Did they, they didn't even think about what they were saying necessarily. They just, one of the types, they just have to say something. But you get offended. You get hurt. It hurt. And that root of bitterness, you just keep, it just keeps growing. And if you don't, if we don't allow God to heal that, first we have to confess it because it's a sin. So you first have to confess it. And, and tell the Lord it's, it's exactly what it is. You gave me the grace for it, but I obviously didn't receive the grace because I've got this bitterness building up inside of me. And it just festers and festers and festers and festers. It just grows. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Bitterness hurts, offenses, expectations. That's why we've been taught in the past to give our ex expectations to the Lord. If we're going around having ex expectations, guess what? They're not all going to be met. They're not going to be met, met in church, and they're not going to be met in a relationship in a family. So give your expectations to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10.12 2 Corinthians 10, 12. In this idea of relationships, I've listed bitterness that damages relationships. Another one is comparing ourselves with ourselves. Verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You know, 
seeing families growing up in our church and watching the relationships and you remember you remember the story some of you some of you newer ones may not remember this my wife and I were coming out of Randall's one day in Humble back when we lived over here we were coming out of the grocery store and my wife had uh, a bag of VHS black and white old movies and this member of the church ran up and snatched that bag out of her hand and started digging through the bag and started examining each movie. And, and this is what she said on the sidewalk. Well, if it's good enough for the hubbies, it's probably going to be good enough for us. And I said, absolutely not. You need to find out what God says is okay for your home. Don't compare yourself to me. And that is a big problem, folks. When you start living a holy life and you begin to live a life that's separate, guess what? Sometimes you can get comfortable by looking around and saying, well, we don't do that, but they do. And we don't do that, but they do. And so we compare ourselves with ourselves. And we'll begin to, and we'll, we'll mark it down. You'll always fall short. The only one you need to compare yourself to, self to is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you've all heard this illustration. And I've got a, one fresh one that you've never heard, but I'll tell you two here. About the little boy that ran outside and he fell down in the dirt. And his mother ran to pick him up and said, Oh, son, let's take you in and wash your hands. And he held his hands up and he said, um, there's no dirt. She said, yes, your hands are dirty. Come on in, let's wash your hands. Well, mommy, there's no dirt, look. And so he took him in, there was a lamp, floor lamp, turned on the light and put his hands under the light and he could see, oh yeah, there is a little bit of dirt there. I didn't see it out there. See, when we compare ourselves with ourselves, you might not see the dirt. But when you compare yourself to the light of God's word and to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to see everything. Now, in our home, on the back side, that's the south side of our home, living room, dining room, and den, basically all glass windows. So in the morning, especially with the winter sky, the sunlight comes in. My wife made this comment, and I've noticed it several times after I've cleaned, okay? After I've done the vacuuming and I've done the whatever had to be done, you know, and so I kind of be proud of myself. I did such a good job. It's just like the military would want it. Spit shined and polished. And then that sun comes in and there's just a just a bright glow coming in. And you know what? I would be embarrassed. I, I didn't know that was all there. Look at that on the counter. Look at that on the floor. I vacuumed that floor. Look at that. I didn't see it till it was compared to the light. 
folks, let me just encourage you, don't get comfortable comparing ourselves with ourselves and saying we're doing so well because nobody in this church lives a holy life like we do. We need to compare ourselves only to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's another principle in all of this. There's a principle. The scripture says in Ephesians, I'm, I'm turning to these. I don't have them all printed out. I could barely write my message out and I can't even my wife offered she said well I'll type it for you and I said well honey it wouldn't do a bit of good to type it because you're not gonna be able to read what I've written I mean it's just scribbling but in Ephesians chapter 4 26 4 26 be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath Neither give place to the devil. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, are we going to just, can, can we take that scripture and apply it to more than just wrath? See, I think it's a principle. I think it's a principle that we can use as a guide. So if, you, if you're just limited to wrath, say, okay, I'm angry, I'm mad, I want to fight. But I can't let the sun go down in that condition. I've got, to, I've got to confess that and deal with it. But I think there's more to it than just that. I think there's a broader application. Don't let the sun go down on your bitterness. Don't, please hear me, please hear me. I'm trying to talk to you as a pastor. Don't let the sun go down on your broken relationships. Because you know what? We have discovered the longer and the more times the sun goes down on a broken relationship, the easier it is to stay broken. There's a principle here. It's a principle, not just about wrath. It's about any sin that, in, that we're involved in, something. Don't let the sun go down. Don't give the devil an opportunity to hang on, to cling on to something in your life. Some people say don't give him ground. So I would encourage you, put that principle into action in the new year. And we will have opportunities, I, trust me, we will have opportunities to do this, to apply this. You will be hurt, people will say things, you'll have expectations are not met. And we'll have an opportunity to apply this, all of us. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Another thought, and I'm just kind of just doing a scattergun here now, okay? We've got the bullets, and then the, the last one was principle, but principle of don't let the sun go down on your wrath or your hurts. But then we're just going to kind of blast away here. I would encourage you to go through 2024 living a life with no regrets. My sister's given me freedom to share this. But she commented to me one day, we were talking on the phone, and she said, you know, I don't know what we would have done different, but we might have if we'd have known that last Thanksgiving would be Rod's last Thanksgiving with us. 
Folks, I just wonder. I mean, we, we were able to go see uh, Warren the day before he passed away. I mean, people, people live, there's birth, and there's dying. Do you want to go through life wishing you'd done something while they still had breath? You know, as a man, and I, know, I knew this man personally. I know the pastor personally. But this man gave this pastor, I mean, a fit for years. He just was after him for some reason, and I don't know all the reasons. It doesn't really matter. But the man eventually developed cancer. And on his deathbed, on his deathbed, he called for the pastor. Said, would you come? And in his house, the pastor was there, the man dying of cancer, asking for forgiveness for all the ways that he had hurt him, dogging his trail for so many years. And it wasn't long after that that he went to be with the Lord. Let's don't wait till we're on our deathbed to start thinking, oh, let's see, I need to clear this up with this one. I need to clear that up with that one. And man, there's a guy in the, you know, 10 years back, I need to, you know, and a former member and all this stuff. Let's don't do that. Let's take care of it in a timely fashion, in a timely manner. <clears throat> it's important that you live when, when someone passes away, that you don't have any regrets that I wish I'd done something different. Or I wish I hadn't have made that accusation, or I wish I hadn't just blasted them, then when I, I really felt justified, and I really thought it was the right thing to do, and I just had to really get, let them know how I feel. I'm not convinced you really did have to know, let them know how you feel. It's amazing how smart people think you are when you keep your mouth closed. And then you open your mouth and prove that you're not. So, so anyway, so are we, are we making any sense asking for forgiveness, don't have any life of regrets? Wouldn't it be special this year to enter into the new year with no broken relationships? I wish our church could say that. Have no broken relationships, no unconfessed sin as we go into the new year. Starting fresh, drawing that squiggly line, a new day, a new year, new opportunities. Putting certain things in the past that we know that need to be in our past and, and look forward to the future. Man alive, what is God going to do in 2024 with North Belt? I just anticipate so many great things, so many exciting things. I, 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 just, can't, I just can't imagine He's already done some very miraculous things, I hope you noticed. So could we join together during our time of invitation? If you feel that you would like to come and um, pray, you know, we kind of try, and I think most New Year's, we try to be praying at, when the time changes. And we've not made it every year, but many, many years we have. But it would, I thought it would be special today. If anybody wanted to come pray at the front or whatever, feel free because we're here. We're not going to be here long. But start the new year fresh. And let the Lord, let Him take these words, these thoughts, these ideas, and let Him bring to mind relationships that need to be repaired.
and you still have some time before the clock strikes 12. You have time to get, get right with people and, and try to uh, uh, be restored and reconciled. So let's take advantage of that. This is no accident. I'm going to tell you, I'm so convinced God wanted me to preach this message today. We have been surrounded by sickness. I mean, surrounded. So, so much so that I've, I took a COVID test last night because the group that came together for our Christmas, we've got at least two that are confirmed and they didn't test everybody, but confirmed COVID and so I took a COVID test last night. I don't want to bring anything like that to y'all. I just don't, I don't believe in that. If, I'm, if you've got temperatures, stay home. If you've got COVID, stay home. And I know they're not making a big deal about it, but it's, it's just good hygiene to not pass this stuff around. So I, was, I thought, man, there is no way, Pastor Will, we were in contact. Are you going to be, be, make it? Are you still planning on preaching? Yeah, I'm planning on it. But, well, get this. As we're going down the road, the hard top, we finally get off the gravel road, get on the hard top, and we're going along this hard top, headed toward the train track at Flynn, the blinking light in the train. I see the lights and the arms going down. And I said, oh, no, that's good. If we, if we can stop at this train, we're toast. So please don't. I mean, I don't even have to tell you all this. But the, the, the arms were not down. They were moving down. They were not down. They were moving down, and I zigzagged around them, and I was able to be here on time. <laughs> now that if y'all call DPS and say, what's the technicality on this? My pastor just confessed that he went through a barricaded uh, railroad crossing, you know, can we put him in jail over this or something? But anyway, but I'm just saying, I think the devil was fighting hard to keep me from preaching this, and I believe he does that every week. But folks, let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and bring to mind some things that we maybe hadn't thought about till today. So let's have our invitation. Uh... Dick, are you going to lead us in our hymn of invitation? And I'm going to gradually make my way around. Pastor Will, you know what? It might just be simpler if you'll just come on and I'll kind of get that way. And uh, if you'll go ahead and be ready to take care of the invitation. But if folks, if y'all would like to just come pray, let's, let's take, care, take care of business today and end up on a positive note. And, and let's just uh, trust the Lord for a new year. Okay? So let's, let's stand together and Dick's going to lead us.